Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 through 24. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who has set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was, pl- was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to, into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Thank you, Din, for reading. Really, really good to see you. I I do need to mention something that just really struck me this morning, and that is how privileged I feel to be a part of a group of people, a congregation that really does value and treasure God's word. So I don't take that for granted. Several of you even uh, took my challenge last week of like reading through Galatians trying to find time to listen. Remember I said last week it'll take you about three minutes a day and you'll listen to the book of Galatians over the course of a week. Uh, Several of you took that to heart and I really, really appreciate it. I always know that this congregation is going to be one that responds to, like listens to God's word and responds to it. So uh, it's amazing. It's amazing that a letter written 2,000 years ago has such impact and relevance on our lives. We, We take it authoritatively, because the unfolding of God's word gives light. It points us to the truth. We live by, Jesus told us this, we live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We're reminded that our eyes are open when we see like powerful things in God's instruction. So uh, I can't imagine a better place uh, really in the Bible to go than the book of Galatians to see the good news of grace. And we could use the word gospel, and we could use the word good news, and we could use the word grace, and we could use it over and over again and really not get a full grasp of what that actually means. So I do want to take some time to recognize the good news. The good news that we once were in danger of perishing, of our life amounting, our life amounting to nothing. But we've been rescued from that. The good news is we are now living in really a new realm. Yeah, we're living in the flesh. Yeah, we're living in Delaware. Yeah, we we live, but we're living in a new realm. We've been brought into eternal life, and this is because of who Jesus was, but even maybe more accurately, who Jesus is and what he's done and what that has meant to us. So this has happened. Like Jesus 
has come to this earth as Messiah, as the Lord, as the ruler. And he was crucified for our sins, for us, for you, for me. This is good news that he was crucified for our sins, but is risen from the dead so that we would have life. And Jesus is now living in us through the Holy Spirit, forming us, reforming us from the inside out. This is good news, and this is grace because we, we don't deserve that. We don't deserve God coming to us. We don't deserve Jesus dying for us. And we never could earn it. We never could do enough things to accomplish that. But when you rely on that message, when you put your confidence in that, it changes things. And I'm not talking about just like changes things one time. I'm talking about it changes things permanently. It changes things forever. And that's why our series is that grace really does change everything. And I want to say even before we dig into Scripture, if you've never experienced that kind of personal grace coming towards you, if that's never like come alive in your heart, it, it burdens me that you would know that. Like, not just be aware that a man named Jesus died on the cross, but to really, really recognize that was for you. And that can done, do something in you. And so my hope, even by going in the book of Galatians, is that maybe eyes come open and, and heart, maybe even more accurately, like your heart comes open and you realize this is, this is for me. But actually what's interesting is Galatians is not written to people that have yet to believe. It's written to believers like you and me. And it's, it's going to push us deeper into this grace that we did not earn, we could not deserve. We don't have unlimited amount of time, but I do want us to do just a quick review and backdrop of Galatians. So we're going to be in this several weeks, but really is important to get foundational understanding of what, okay, what's going on in Galatians? Because we're reading a letter, but, but we need some context why that letter was written, what's going on with it. Paul had brought the good news, the good news that I just talked about, about Jesus dying and rising again and now living in us. He had brought that good news to churches in what is modern-day Turkey. And, and he had told people that good news, and men and women had believed that good news. And what happened as they believed, as, as clusters of believers came in these cities in, in what is now-day Turkey, they began to form Jesus-centered grace communities. I mean, we would call them churches. But I want you to think less about the building and more about the people who unite and come together. And that is exactly what Paul desired. But over time, in these, in these churches that had been started, some people had come and distorted the message that Paul had given. They complicated things. They had twisted things. And Paul, Paul called this troubling, like it bothered him, because the message was something like this. The message was, you know, Paul and that grace stuff and that cross stuff and resurrection stuff, all of that is important. We're not going to take anything away from that. But the distorted message was, now it's time, now it's time to build on that and add some things. Now it's time to add rituals and customs, specifically Jewish rituals and customs, to, to really show God you're serious. So yeah, God in his grace got you this far. Now it's time for you to kind of finish it all the way and show him who you really want to be, your identity. 
and how you will be righteous. We talked about this last week. You're going to have to go further than just Jesus, than just grace, than just the cross, than just the resurrection. There are going to be some other things that are going to like take you the whole way. So when Paul heard that this was going on in, in the hearts and lives of people like he cared about, he had led them to faith in Jesus, he was very, very frustrated. And his message in Galatians is, no, no, this is a new age. The cross really did change everything. And because Jesus has come and fully fulfilled the requirements of the law, the former demands of Jewish life, all the rituals and all the customs, they don't apply any longer, especially, especially to Gentile believers coming to faith. Paul writes to these clusters of churches, and he writes on the defensive. You read Galatians. Several of you did read it throughout the week. I mean, he, it seems like he is defending his credibility because it was being called into question, but more important, what concerned Paul the most is that people like you and me who have put their faith in Jesus were being tempted to have diminished confidence that Jesus is enough. That's what concerned him. And so Paul begins to write, as you heard Din read a minute ago, what you hear in this portion of Galatians is definitely Paul giving his backstory, writing full strength, not pulling any punches. I don't know, you've, you probably noticed, as with any autobiography, when Paul is telling his story, there are selective, like selective things he's telling, selective parts of this story. So he's, he's drawing upon certain names. You heard a few of those names and, and a timeline and a sequence of events. And, and we're not going to have time to do a deep dive into every one of those, but this is what I want us to hear today. I want us to get some of the dimensions of Paul telling his story, of where he came from, who he was, and what he is now. I want us to hear those because I think they have a lot of application for where we are today, these dimensions of grace that are still really important. One of those dimensions of the good news of grace that Paul's going to emphasize and reemphasize is that no one made this message up. So it mattered for Paul to tell the churches in Galatia, and it matters today that we get this really, really clear. Paul is saying the good news of God's grace, no one made this message up. Paul is telling them and telling us by extension, you have placed your faith in something that has come directly, directly from God. No one made this up. In verse 10, he's going to say, I, I didn't make this up to try to please people or to gain some approval by people. I'm a servant of Christ. I'm not trying to gain anybody's approval. In verse 11 and 12, you can see he, he says, I, I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not not a human's gospel. It's not a man's gospel. It's not according to the way humans put it together. I didn't receive it from man. I wasn't taught it by human beings. Paul is saying that the gospel operates in very different ways than humans normally operate. I got such a tangible illustration of that this week. I really the last couple of weeks. So uh, school ending and there were awards programs, athletic awards, academic awards. And most of us know the drill of those. So you hear so-and-so is going to get recognized because, and then the way these go is so-and-so gets up to present an award, and what they generally are going to do, she or he is going to say, here's what this person did, and here's the accomplishment. Or if it's an, a, an athletic award, 
on the field, they did this, and they're going to take us back to the, there was a game, and they got the, this, and they were the person that I knew I could count on. And what they're telling you, we all know what's going on there. In a very human way, they're telling us, this is why this person deserves this award. This is why, this is why it should go to him. This is why it should go to her, because they've achieved, they've accomplished, they've stood out, they have character, they have this sort of thing. What's never happened at any award ceremony I've ever been at is someone come to the podium and say, this person totally did not deserve this. No, I'm just going to give it to them anyway. They didn't earn it. Many other people did, but frankly, I'm not giving it to that. I'm giving it to this. It never goes that way. If it did, I know what I probably would be doing as a parent. I'd be contacting some teacher, some administrator, some coach going, hold up. That's not the way this should work. Because we know that's not the way these things go. And yet, and yet, when we receive grace, it's not as if it's because we deserve it or because we've earned it. And frank, frankly, that we have a hard time sometimes even receiving grace because we think it doesn't work like that. You can't just... But, not earn something. I mean, you're talking about eternal life, Curtis. You're talking about forgiveness of, of sin. You're talking about being reconciled with the Father. You're talking about the Holy Spirit of God living in you. Surely, surely God's going to look and go, well, you're really trying. You've done well. You have an excellent track record. You are, you're a deserving recipient, so here you go. Surely that's the way it works. And Paul says, in so many words, like no human makes this story up. The good news is, Paul says, no one made this up. The message I'm delivering to you, Paul says, came as a direct re revelation from Jesus Christ. That's what he says in verse 12. I didn't receive it from any human. I wasn't taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. He even goes out of his way in chapter 1 and chapter 2 to say, as important as Jerusalem and like the people that were running the church in Jerusalem, as important as those people might be, they weren't even the originators of this message. Of course, they're endorsing what, what Paul is preaching, but even there, they're not the ones going, oh, we got this from the headquarters in Jerusalem. Now, now we've got exactly what needs. He says, no, no, this came from Jesus Christ himself. The good news of Grace comes from God, and we need that reminder because every generation, I feel like every few months or so, you hear, you hear someone, some scholar, arguing like, yeah, humans just made this up. So it seems like every Easter or Christmas we find some, some scroll, some gospel that, you know, months later, year later, is proved to be inauthentic. But some, something's found, some discovery, some documentary is shown to go, see, humans made it up. But, but friends, year after year after year, decade after decade, century after century, it becomes clearer and clearer. Humans don't make up this kind of story of grace. We receive it from Jesus Christ. You have placed your faith in something that's come directly from God. No one made it up. But there's more, and that is there is... The good news of grace, also a dimension of this, is this is a message that changes you. 
This is a message that changes people, but let's get even more specific. This is a message that changes you. You've placed your faith in something that changes lives and changes destinies forever. And I'm not overstating the case. This message of what God has done through and in Jesus Christ changes. And Paul knew that firsthand. Which is why Paul could take us into a very honest look at his past in verse 13. So verse 13, he says, you, you all know my former life. You know how I lived in Judaism. You all know how I persecuted the assembly of God, the church of God, and I, I persecuted violently and tried to destroy it. If you wanted to this afternoon, you could read in Acts 7 and Acts 8 and Acts 9 of how Paul intensely persecuted the communities of Jesus. He saw them as threats and went after them violently. It shows us even the dark impulses, the dark places our hearts can go, left unchecked, unrestrained. Sin damages you and sin damages others and sin makes you what you never wanted to be. When Paul speaks to what I was before Christ, he says, something has changed. I'm not who I was. I don't know who needs to hear that today. But very likely there are many of us in the room that say I have a track record that I'm not proud of and nobody around me would be proud of. I've had this issue and this problem and I made these choices and I hurt these people. Could God I mean, I understand that God can show a lot of grace, but could he do that for me, knowing what I've done? And Paul would say with a resounding, oh yeah, <laughs> yes, God can show grace to you. This is grace, even though Paul didn't deserve it, and we don't either. It's interesting, though, when Paul paints this picture of grace, at one level, he's painting all the bad things he's done, but in an he, there, there's another picture that emerges. So it's not just that Paul talks about some of the bad things that he's done. He actually says in verse 14, God's grace met him on another front as well. You know, sometimes we need to change, but we don't even realize it. Sometimes we're headed down the wrong path, and we just don't even realize it. Sometimes it's pretty aware, like we're pretty aware of, like I'm really messing things up, but sometimes we are pursuing things we think that are, that are good. In verse 14, Paul says that. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age. I was, like, I was doing the right things. I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. What Paul would say is, I, yeah, I did bad things, but I also did a lot of good things. But Paul can look back and go, as good as I thought those things were, those were misguided and inadequate attempts. You might not actually be headed down like the bad path, but you may be headed down a path where you go, you know, look around and I do okay. And I try to do my part and I put, you know, bumper stickers on my car and I tell everybody, here's how you ought to live and here's how you ought to do. And I'm a pretty moral person. I have a pretty moral track record. I think sometimes we're not aware. Yeah, badness can keep us from grace. There's a whole lot of goodness that can keep us from grace. We go, you know, I don't know that I need grace because I do okay. Paul is saying it doesn't matter how well-intentioned you are, how much you fit into 
a certain culture or subculture, how much you've convinced yourself you're on the right side of history, the right side of this issue, the right side of that. It doesn't matter, all those things, because there are spiritual and religious paths that actually take you further from God rather than closer. Take you further away from Him than closer to Him. That are actually not about Jesus and His grace, but are much more kind of all about you and your efforts and how you put things together. Paul would say, whether it's like badness or goodness, Jesus Christ interrupted my life. God took initiative to come to me. Jesus quite literally arrested Paul's attention on a, on a road where he was going to do religious things. He unveiled, God unveiled who Jesus was to Paul. Look, look at the way he describes it in verse 15. He says, but when God, he who set me apart before I was born, literally there while I was in the womb, the one who called me by his grace, the one who was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I mean, it's just such a picture there. Paul going back before his birthday, saying God knew me there, and God loved me, and God set me apart for his purposes, and God called me by his grace. Yes, in a special moment, in a decisive moment, God revealed to Paul the truth about who Jesus is, but this was all part of a bigger story. Now Paul has this commission to spread good news, unveiling Jesus to others. And it's Paul's story that as you read in Galatians 1 and Galatians 2, it's Paul's story, and it's James' story, and it's John's story, and it's Peter, Cephas, it's his story, it's Barnabas' story, it's Titus' story. I mean, this change that God had worked was evident. As a matter of fact, so much so that in verse 23, he, he could say, there are people in Judea that would hear about my life. They would hear it like, oh, he's the one that used to persecute us, but now he's preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Paul says, my life, which was my ambitions, keeping the traditions of my fathers now, it's all for God. They glorified God because of me. Life's not the same. I live for his glory. Paul had such a dramatic change, but I, I also recognize there are some of us in this room that God did not blind us by light on the way to whatever city you might have been going to. Like maybe you don't have that dramatic conversion experience. And you go, like, is grace a little less amazing because I don't have this dramatic, like Paul, like you see, like God had big plans for Paul, but I'm just me. And yet I am struck by how grace shows up in all kinds of ways, even the less dramatic ones. I got to have lunch with a friend this week and he was telling me, at one point we stopped in a conversation and he said, Curtis, we would not be having this conversation if someone had not invited me to vacation Bible school. It actually wasn't that dramatic of a moment. Just someone invited, said, hey, I know where you can get a snow cone. That was all it was. And yet God had used this less dramatic thing to change my friend's life forever. See, we, we, we kind of think, like, I don't have this dramatic conversion story, so, like, is grace really that amazing in my life? But then I think of all the times where, and maybe this last year has been a very, very lonely year for you. Yet in the midst of that loneliness, 
Grace has changed things for you. You are not the same. It, it comes into a life and it changes and you are not alone. As alone as you felt in many ways, there was one way in which you were not alone and that is, that is because God is with you in Christ. God is reminding you regularly your life is not over no matter how like over it feels. God's grace shows up to those that feel betrayed, like people did them wrong and people weren't there for them when they needed to be, and you're assured in those moments. Yeah, grace changes things. You're not just sitting in there having to endure all that betrayal or loss by yourself. All the brokenheartedness, no. You aren't less loved by Christ even when others don't treat you right over the long haul. I think there are plenty of people in our church that are tired and weary and worn out and frustrated. But even in that, God's grace has changed because you're not on a treadmill trying to earn his favor, putting all you have into it, but never really moving anywhere. That's not what you're on. God doesn't love you less. He couldn't love you more. This is God's grace to the undeserving. I want that to settle in our hearts. I want us to know that that good news changes things, like permanently changes things. It doesn't mean life is easy in a thousand ways, but it does mean we have, we have something that goes deep in our soul that no one or nothing could ever take away. We didn't make up this good news. I'm not making it up. Paul says, I didn't make it up. We didn't make up this good news, and it really does change people. And I have the privilege every Sunday to walk in rooms just like you do with hundreds of people that this has changed us. It's changed us. There's one more thing that I see here, one more dimension of this good news of grace. And here's the deal. This message, like everyone should encounter it. Everyone should encounter it. I mean, maybe that goes without saying, but surely it should not go without saying. Like, surely we should just go ahead and say it. If grace can be like this for the undeserving, if God's not like keeping track of, oh, here's the good people, here's the bad people. Good people, you know what you get. The bad people, you know what you get as well. If there's another dimension, surely that's meant to spread. I mean, that's why Paul is in, that's why Paul is in Turkey in the first place. That's, I, I think of the angels on the, the day Jesus was born saying this is good news for all the people. Paul says, absolutely it is. It's meant to spread. I think of the great commission that Jesus gave. You go and make disciples of all the nations. Is there a nation that should not hear this? I think of, of Jesus in Acts 1 saying, you're going to be my witnesses and you're going to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and yeah, you're going everywhere. Because this message is meant to spread. Paul could say in verse 16, I'm, I'm preaching, I'm preaching Jesus to the Gentiles. In, in verse 22 of chapter 1, I, I go into the regions of Syria and Cilicia so that they would hear Chapter 2, verse 2, and verse 7, and verse 8, and verse 9, like I'm commissioned, I have an apostolic mission, I'm going to the Gentiles. 
there are those that were going to the Jewish communities, telling them the good news. But Paul says, I, I have a direct assignment from the Lord because this message is meant to be spread. People needed to know. People needed to tell them. There were nations that had not heard. There were cities without churches. And Paul pursued this hard. And here we are, centuries later. And that mission like has not changed. It's still, that message is still meant to be spread, which was one of the reasons why we meet regularly, weekly, and, in, and even throughout the week, we meet to be a display of God's glory to say that message, like you need to encounter grace. And we're not perfect representation as a church, but when people see the way Christians are meant to love each other, there's something attractive that we want. We want people in that. Like this is beyond like, well, we, we're kind of happy with the members we've got. Like, no, 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 this isn't some membership club. There are people that need this. There are people just like us who need their lives invaded by this unearned, undeserved favor of God. That, that drives our heart. That's, that's, why, that's why we do VBS. That's why there are cards in the back for you to take and pass along. It's not just because we enjoy throwing our kids a big party. We, we do enjoy that. It's a lot of fun, but there's, there's a mission there. There's a mission there to go, could there be any kids in our area that need to know grace? That's why it matters to us that we send out people to East Asia, to the Philippines, why we support thousands of missionaries through the International Mission Board. It's the heartbeat of our church. What are the stakes if we, if we don't get the good news of grace right? What are the stakes? I mean, Paul does talk about that in chapter 2 of Galatians. And, and I just want to read a, a few verses just to give you a snapshot into the, what's at stake. And I'm going to highlight a couple words and then we'll be done. Paul wants you to know, like, there are large things at stake if the good news gets confused or changed. He says in verse 1, we join him on a travelogue. After 14 years, I went up to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, and I took Titus along with me. He says, I went up because of a revelation, and I set before them the gospel. I set before them the, the ones that were influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that you know, we're not running or had run in vain. Titus, who was with me, he was not forced to be circumcised in the Jewish ritual. He didn't need that, even though he was Greek. But then notice where the stakes get high here in verse 4. But there were these pseudo-family members, these false brothers that had come in. Paul says they were, they were looking, they were spying out freedom. They actually wanted us to go back into slavery. What's at stake? He says, to them we did not yield in submission. We didn't give them any time. These pseudo-family members, we didn't give them any time because they were wanting to pull us back into slavery and we wanted the truth of the gospel to be preserved for you. You see, there's lots of paths, even religious paths that seem to promise freedom, but what Paul knows and what I want to leave you with is that any step away from Jesus being all that we need, what he did on the cross being all that we need, any step, like any addition to that, anything else in the blender with that, is not a step toward freedom, it's a step toward slavery. And Paul says, I don't want you going there. 
And I'm willing to boldly say, don't go there. I'm willing to defend the gospel in a strong way for you not to be enslaved in anything. I want you to have freedom, Paul says, so I'm speaking up. Paul says, I also want you to know the truth. I don't want you to live in some distortion, some distorted reality. I want you to know the truth. And here at Well Church, any step away from Jesus, any of this Jesus plus, any adding to the cross, anything that, like, well, you need this, but you also need this, takes you one step further, and it's a step further away. And Paul says, I, I don't want that. I don't want you in slavery, and I don't want you believing a lie. I want you free, and I want you living in the truth of the gospel. And for that, he's going to tell you the good news of grace and make sure it is razor sharp clear. Can I just ask that the Lord would make it that clear in our hearts? Let me pray. Father, there are so many ideas out there, so many different stories, so many different narratives, so many different paths to enlightenment and a good life, and yet we read one that was never made up by humans. So, Father, I pray that our our life together as a church, but I pray also our lives individually would be clearly wrapped around this grace that changes us. So, Lord, do that. Do a good work of changing us from darkness to light, from death to life. Do this to make the name of your Son great. Father, even as you hear us sing, hear us as we are so grateful for the goodness of Jesus Christ. So we ask all this in his name. Amen.